Amen. Sunshine in your soul. You know, uh, I like I like the sunny days. I just do. Uh, we've had some sunny days. Am I on now? We had some sunny days here, and uh, and I like the sunshine. I was reminded in Peru we'd have those overclass cloudy days. We had two seasons. We had rainy season and dry season, and those overcast rain that overcast rainy season was just was kind of dull and depressing to be honest with you. And then there was sunshine, and uh, those sunshine days, man, I I absolutely loved those. Not warm, as my wife said, it was always. As she would say, it was always cold. I thought it was about perfect temperature. It was about 70 degrees uh, was the high you'd ever get. And so, because uh, we were way up in the mountains. But I liked those sunny days. And it didn't matter the temperature. You go outside and that sun would help warm you up. That's for sure. So, um, as a Christian, we can have sunshine in our soul no matter what day of the week it is. No matter uh, what the weather is outside. No matter what... Uh, problems or difficulties may be uh, in our society, we can still have sunshine in our soul because of Jesus Christ. And so I'm grateful for that, and I'm glad for that song to help remind us of that. Uh, Proverbs chapter number 24. Proverbs chapter 24 covers a a topic that I don't think has been covered, uh, not that we've dealt with so directly in the book of Proverbs, as we're going to cover it this evening. And there's actually two different themes that are um, they're very closely related, they're, they're different, but they're uh, also related well, and, uh, and I think these are probably, I was thinking about it, and I, I think these are probably maybe more so uh, meaty topics, meat of the word, if you will. Uh, have you ever eaten, and you've, eat, you've, you've had a meal, you've eaten, and within just a couple hours, you're like, man, I ate, and I was full, and now I'm hungry again. Uh, and, and if you eat stuff that's, that's, it may fill you up, but it just doesn't seem like it lasts. Uh, and the meat of the Word, it's not the milk of the Word, the meat of the Word is something that should stick with you a little bit longer, and, uh, and maybe you'll be thinking about it throughout the rest of the week. I don't know, I hope, uh, I hope it sticks with you, and I hope it is helpful to you. I hope it's something that is uh, thought-provoking and challenging, and something that uh, you can grow on as well. So Proverbs chapter 24 Verse number 10, the Bible says this, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. What a short little verse. We'll stop right there and then we'll pray and uh, we'll get into the message. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for your word that we can study, that we can learn, that we can grow uh, from, Father. And God, I pray that you would just uh, use me this evening. I pray, Father, that you would... Touch each and every heart as only you can. And Father, we pray that uh, you would again bless and encourage and strengthen each and every Christian, each believer, Father, that is uh, present here tonight and those who are listening uh, by way of electronic means. And God, I pray that you would use me and speak through me as only you can. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. What a short proverb, and this is in and of itself a proverb. It that Some of these proverbs are two verses. This is just the one by itself, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Now, it's simple enough we can understand what it's, what it's saying, but I want to look uh, how that applies to us really spiritually. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. In other words, uh, you don't have a lot, of be able, a lot of strength to be able to stand 
during adverse times. That's the, it's a pretty simplistic meaning. But I want to look at what does it mean and, and what does it stand for. Uh, first of all, I want us to understand and realize that in the life of a Christian, adversity will come. There's no doubt about it. I, a lot of people uh, think uh, when they get saved, well, you know, I've gotten saved, I'm now born again, and everything is going to be uh, just cozy and perfect and smooth sailing from here on out. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Uh, matter of fact, you, you're, you start down a, a path, if you will, uh, where your flesh does not desire things that are spiritual, and your spirit desires things which are spiritual, and you'll have this conflict in your life, uh, and it will present adversity. And then, of course, there are other players in there. There's the world. There's the devil. There are all these other things that will tempt you. And then there's the uh, positive on the good side, uh, the Word of God and the preaching and, and, and church and, and other things that will feed that spirit. But nonetheless, there will be adversity in your life. I remember starting out on deputation and I was out of course out of fresh out of Bible college and raising support to go to Peru and I remember thinking, man, you know, I'm I'm man, I am embarking on a journey. We are we are uh, we made it through Bible college. Praise the Lord, that's over with. If you've been school for something, uh, man, you're glad that is over with. And so now we're actually starting. And so we were starting out and I thought, man, Praise the Lord, I'm excited about it. You know, we're going to call and we're going to get meetings and we're going to uh, go to the mission field. And, and I, maybe I thought, ignorance, well, this is going to be a nice smooth road. It was anything but smooth. Uh, I mean, there's always bumps along the way. There's always difficulty. And so there will be adversity in our life. The Bible says this, James 1-2, he says, My brethren... Count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And uh, we talked a little bit about Abraham's faith being tried. And your faith will be tried. What does that mean? Uh, well, it means that there will be hardships. There will be sicknesses. There will be, uh, I hope this is the only one, pandemics that take place. Uh, and, and those are things that perhaps we don't see. Uh, there'll be religious persecution. Uh, there will be God asking you to step outside of your comfort zone. These are all things. There may be financial hardships. There may be other, other hardships. These are all things that will try our faith or test our faith. You know, when you test something, uh, I, sometimes when I buy tools... Um, I, I, I sometimes will abuse those tools. I use them for the wrong purpose. You know, you get a screwdriver and you use it as a pry bar, you use it as a chisel, you use it for all these other things. And so uh, I, would, I, I don't buy uh, real cheap tools because I found out they don't pass the test. When you're testing something, uh, you know what you do? You abuse it. Uh, man, you're going to pound it, you're going to bend it, you're going to crack it, you're going to heat it, you're going to cool it, you're going to go through all of the things to try and uh, see how strong is this. Listen, if you think about your faith, that's what goes on with your faith. God said in His Word, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse de temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The fact that our faith would be tried would cause it to stretch, 
cause it to be harder, would cause it to grow, would cause it to be uh, stronger in the Lord. You remember, we don't have to turn there, we won't go there for, for sake of time, but you remember in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verses 23-27, through 27, Paul gives all the, uh, the, the adversities that he had gone through, how he had been shipwrecked, how he had been beaten with rods, how he had been thrown in jail, how he suffered sickness, how he suffered uh, all kinds of different things. He says, a night and a day have I spent in the deep. And, and he goes on and on and he gives a whole list of persecutions and troubles that he, he went through. And when I think about that, I think, how much adversity will we go through before we quit? How much, how much hardship will we adore, uh, endure before we walk away? And, and, uh, and you're here tonight, praise the Lord, on a, on a February, no, we're not in February, a January uh, cool evening in, in, on Wednesday. And, uh, and you guys are the, uh, the troopers, you know, that come out. And, and so, but how, the matter is, how much hardship Will we endure? When we look at our life and we, we look at other people's lives and you look at the life of Job and you say, man, that man endured some hardship. And you know what? His strength was great. His strength was not small. We could come up with Bible example after Bible example of people whose strength was great. We can come up with Bible examples of people whose, whose strength was small. And they did not last. And they broke under the pressure. And they left and they walked away from God. And, and Paul gives some examples of those in the New Testament. Uh, and he says, having loved this present world, and they walked away and they left God, uh, perhaps it was hardships in their life. I don't know. But the Bible does say this, that we shouldn't be surprised at hardships. The Bible says this in 1 John 3, uh, 11, for this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous, righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. And so uh, we're talking about these adversities and being able to stand strong. And the Bible would encourage us, as we read this verse, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. We want to have good strength, not small strength. We want to be strong Christians. We want to stand strong. And, and in Corinthians, Paul would encourage us. He said this, Watch ye stand fast in the faith, Quit you like men. Be strong. What does stand fast mean? Well, the word fast means literally set, stopped, fixed, or pressed close, firm, unmovable, or strong. And listen, Paul would encourage us to stand fast in the faith. Words that we would be unwavering. Listen, there will be trials that will come our way. There will be difficulties. But we need to stay strong in our faith. Don't let your faith be wavered by the amount of difficulty and, and troubles that you would go through. Uh, so we need to be strong. The Bible would encourage us that again in Ephesians. Turn over with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. Save your spot as we'll be back there in Proverbs. But we're talking about standing strong, and it says in, in Ephesians chapter number six, 
Look with me at verse number 16. He goes on and he's kind of describing, in verse 12 he says, he describes the, uh, what we're up against, the, the principalities and rulers in dark, uh, dark places and, and things of that nature. And look with me at verse number 13. He says this, he encourages us. He says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And so he says, listen, uh, in the, those verses, that last part of verse number 13, he says, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. And he goes through the entire armor. And, and of course, we know that passage and you can go back and read it and you should read it. But what we're thinking about is, listen, we do need to stand strong. And we should not, in the face of adversity, allow our faith uh, to waver because uh, in the day, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small, is what the proverb is saying. And so we need to be strong in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's good. I understand that. How can I do that? Look back with me at verse number 10 in Ephesians 6. He says, finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The way to stand strong is to keep yourself uh, strongly and firmly grounded in God. Didn't Jesus say, I am the vine and ye are the branches? And, and, and except ye abide in Me, you can do nothing. In other words, listen, we have strength when we're plugged into God. And our strength is small. If you feign in the day of adversity, your strength is small. In other words, we do have little strength. When, when you compare yourself to God, we're no match. We're not even close. We're, we're, we're not even a close second. We're so far behind God as far as power and as far as strength goes and as far as everything else goes that we need to remain plugged into God because that is our source of strength. And that's why he says in Ephesians 6.10, he says, and finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might so that we don't faint in the day of adversity. Because when you get away from God, you've got a greater chance of falling by the wayside. You've got a greater chance of of fainting in the face of adversity. And we must remain plugged in and we must remain standing strong for the honor and glory of God. Look with me at verse number 11. Verse, back in Proverbs chapter number 24, we see that verse 10, I think of the idea of standing strong for the Lord Jesus Christ. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Let's go on to verse number 11 and 12. The Bible says here, if thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? We read these two verses and I had to read them several times, and so uh, I'm sure you're like, well, that was kind of a whole lot of questions and a whole lot of thought, and it is packed full of information. So let's go back to the very beginning of verse number 11, and let's just break that down. He says, if thou forbear 
to deliver them that are drawn unto death. So there are people who are in danger. We can understand that part. They're drawn unto death. In other words, they are uh, very soon to die. What does the word forbear mean? Well, the word forbear means to stop, cease, pause, or delay. So now that we know that, let's go back in verse number 11. If thou, so he's talking to us, if, if, if we or you forbear, that would be to delay or pause or, or stop from delivering them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain. In other words, if we hold back from helping those who are about to die. That's basically what he is saying there. Now let's take, let's take that two ways. I want to take, first of all, the obvious, the most, the most uh, obvious thing, which would be physically speaking. And as I read that, and I started to think, of course, of Luke chapter number 10, where Jesus was teaching about the Good Samaritan. And in the Good Samaritan, Jesus presents a scenario where uh, a man had been traveling, and he had been beaten up, and he had been left, the Bible says, half dead. I like that as kind of an interesting phrase. And he said he was left half dead. And, and as I read that, I thought, surely if this man would have been left, he would have died. I mean, he was left by the wayside. The thieves had taken everything that he had, and they had beaten him up, and they had completely left him by the wayside. And you know the story how the, uh, uh, the priest walks by, and, and he doesn't even go over to him. The Levite walks by. He does not go over to him. And then finally, the Samaritan goes by, and he sees him, and he goes over to him. And the Bible says that he binds up his wounds, and he picks him up, and he sets him on his own donkey, and he takes him to an inn, and he, say, and he gives the inn money, and he says, hey, take care of this guy, and, uh, and if it requires more money than that, when I come back, I'll pay it. And so there's a physical aspect of, uh, I think that we have a, a physical aspect of being able to help people uh, who are physically in need of aid, and perhaps at the point of death. Now that kind of goes just with humanity. Most people who are human would uh, would do that and would go out of their way or try and help people uh, who are on the point of death. We're not talking about every person that's that's looking for a handout. We're talking about a dire uh, life or death situation. I think that would applicable here in verse number 11. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, I think that we ought to help out in that because it's saying don't delay, don't forbear, don't, don't uh, not help them. That's a double negative. That means you should help them. All right. Uh, so he's explaining that. But I think it goes deeper than that, just the obvious uh, physical side of it. I think there's a spiritual application there. Because we are talking about the Bible. And there's a far deeper value uh, of truth there. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 10 and verse number 28, it says, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And so there's a deeper side to that that we ought to look out. Hey, for those who are being drawn to death, Spiritually speaking, uh, those who are, are, are alive on this earth, but they are about to die, perhaps they'll pass away uh, without accepting Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, and then they will be the second death. And the Bible would uh, very clearly have us help them. The Bible's clear also that sin 
uh, the end of sin is death. The Bible talks about that in James, and it talks about that in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. In other words, what we earn for our sin is death. And a lot of times I'll tell people, uh, that's, that's talking about the second death. What is the second death? Well, Romans chapter 20, or Revelation 21.8, it tells us this. You can turn back there real quick if you want. Revelation 21 and verse 8. And it clearly says this, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, and the Bible says, which is the second death. And so uh, what they earn from their sin, of course, is death. So let's take that and apply that to, to Proverbs here. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain. In other words, if you delay uh, trying to help those who are lost, and you put it off, and you say, or you cease from it. In other words, I'm not going to continue to witness. I'm not going to continue to help those who are lost. I'm going to keep my mouth shut, and I'm going to live my little life, and, and just, just live in my own world, and, and mind my own business, and what's their business is their business, and I'm going to mind my own business. The Bible would say, no, that's not the way we're to live as Christians. We should be concerned for the fate of the lost. And the reality is they're all around us. Listen, you don't have to be uh, 90 or 100 or 110 years old to pass away. The fact of the matter is people are dying every single day right here in Massillon, Ohio. People pass away. I read in the news all the time. Uh, So-and-so got in a car accident and they passed away. And, and you read this and that and, and they can be 30 years old. They can be 19 years old. Hey, they can be 5 years old. The fact of the matter is they die at all different ages and they're being drawn unto death and they don't have the truth and there's no hope for them unless we take the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to them. We say, listen, God loves you. He died on the cross and He wants to save you. That's our responsibility. We hold the words of life. We hold the truth of the Gospel. We have these things and it's our responsibility to get it to a lost and dying world. So thinking about Proverbs and thinking about how all this applies, he says there in verse number 11, if thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be sent... In other words, those who are passing away uh, right, before our, right beside us and right before our very eyes, if we withdraw and we don't help them, we have a problem. And look at what he says there in verse number 12 because he continues the same thought. And he says, we have a, basically saying we have a spiritual responsibility to give them the Gospel. Look at verse number 12. He says, if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not. In other words, well, I didn't, I didn't know they were going to die. Well, I didn't know they were lost. Well, I didn't know all the excuses. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know this and I didn't know that. I didn't know it was my responsibility and I didn't know and we can, we can go on and on. If thou sayest, behold, we knew it not. Look at what he says. Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And as I was thinking about that, I thought, who is he who ponders the heart? Well, it's God. 
God ponders the heart. And God knows. And listen, you can give excuses and you can give reasons why you don't do what God wants us to do. And, and, and I've given them and you've given them. And we're all guilty of giving excuses at some point in our life or another. But listen, you might be able to pull the wool over some people's eyes, but the fact of the matter, you will never pull the wool over God's eyes because He pondereth the heart. And you and your heart know it and God knows it. And he says there the second part, and he that keepeth thy soul. That again is God. So it's definitively talking about God. There is no other person that would keep the soul apart from yourself, your own body, and God would keep the soul. And he goes on and he says, and he that keepeth the soul, doth, he, doth not he know it? And shall not He render to every man according to His works? And listen, we need to understand that God will stand before God at some point in our life. We need to understand that, hey, we have a responsibility to get the Gospel to the lost and dying world because they are dying and they are being drawn to death and they are going to be slain. We're talking about spiritual level of which not just physically that they will fall off the face of this earth, but that they will spend eternity in a place called hell. And we ought to be concerned about that. Because the Bible says very clearly, uh, that's what this, this proverb, I believe, is talking about when he says, if thou sayest, uh, we knew it not, doth, he not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works. So not only in verse number 10 should we stand strong in our faith, I believe in verses 11 and 12 we ought to stand strong to boldly declare the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to stand boldly. Look with me at verse 13 and 14. The Bible says, and we'll move on to sweeter Proverbs here. In 13, the Bible says, My son, eat thou honey because it is good, and the honeycomb which is sweet to thy taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul when thou hast found it. Then there shall be a reward, and thy expectation shall not be cut off. I think... If we look at verse 13, we can see clearly the Bible says, My son, eat thou honey. I like that verse. That's a good verse. I happen to like honey. Uh, my wife does not like honey. It's sticky. But uh, I like honey. I, I like the taste of honey. And, and listen, sweet treats are often a, a reward for doing something right. And we find even in the Bible... That's implied there with, with the idea of, hey, eat honey. I mean, it's something rewarding. It's something good. And, uh, and so uh, the idea there is that there is a reward to come. I, I love ice cream. And uh, who doesn't like ice cream? I could say that, but I know there are some people who do not like ice cream. Some of my kids were weird, and they didn't like chocolate. And I just, I, I, I really thought, man, I'm wondering if this child's related to me or not. Because I just don't understand that. But I, I like ice cream. And I remember growing up, uh, we started this, this thing. My, my dad started it, and it, it, believe me, it did not take long for us kids to really uh, grab hold of that. And, and Sunday night, we'd come home from church, and he'd say, uh, my dad would say, hey, it's a church night, let's have ice cream. And we loved that. 
We said we'd come home Sunday nights, and and I think he might have said it maybe once, and then the next Sunday night, us kids said, "Hey, it's a church night. Let's have ice cream." And I think after that, every church night was a ice cream night at our house. And and I tell you what, it was kind of like a a little reward. And I think my parents let it go because I know my dad liked ice cream, but uh, I it go because it was kind of a reward, you know, and, and I tell you what, then us kids, we wised up, and then missions conference came around. Man, we were in church every night. On Monday night, we'd go home, and we figured out, hey, let's use the old Sunday line. It's ice cream. Hey, it's a church night. Let's have ice cream. And what could they say? So we had ice cream Monday night, and Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, and Thursday night, and Friday. We really loved uh, revival services and missions conference. Why? Because we go home and hey, there was that sweet reward that we would get after each service. But the fact of the matter is, it's true that there is a reward for, uh, for, for, for doing well. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And there's some truth to that. There, that is truth, because that's the Word of God, that, that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That's what this, this proverb is talking about. My son, eat thou honey, because it is good, and the honeycomb, which is sweet, Taste. And he says there in verse number 14, because the thought continues, he says, So shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul. In other words, you will be rewarded greatly uh, in your life. Now what does he say it is there in verse number 14? Look with me that phrase. So shall the knowledge of wisdom. I was writing that verse out and and as, as I was writing it out, I, I, I recognized that phrase. I didn't recognize it, but I thought that phrase was peculiar. It says, so shall the, thy knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul. And so I got looking up those two words, knowledge and wisdom. And, and knowledge and wisdom are commonly used uh, throughout the proverb. That's not unusual. It's not unusual to find those two words in combination. But to find those two words in a phrase like that this is the only place in the Bible that that actually phrase shows up. And look what it says again, the knowledge of wisdom. Now, knowledge is knowing stuff. Of course, we know that, we've defined that, and we've defined that many times, that you could go to a library and there is a wealth of knowledge. It's not all good knowledge, it's not all bad knowledge, but it's a mountain of information. And many of the, uh, the universities and colleges and schools, they teach a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of science knowledge, there's a lot of star knowledge, there's a lot of uh, all those things. I mean, if you think about all of the information that you don't know, you'll feel about this big. Because really, there's a lot of information out there. Um, and the more you start to, to, to look into it, the more you realize, man, that, that goes really deep, and I, I'm only like way up here at the surface level of that information. And, and so you realize knowledge is a, is a huge subject, but that's one thing. That's facts. That's information. And certainly the world is full of that. But look at what he says. He's not talking about any knowledge of science or any knowledge of something specific. He is talking about the knowledge of wisdom. And that's a whole different topic. 
That is to understand and to know wisdom. Now the Bible says often that uh, wisdom and knowledge, of course wisdom, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We know that. And so you can be wise and not have a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of people who have not had the privilege of being educated. But they're very wise in how they live their life. And they, they, they go through life because they've adhered to the Word of God and the wisdom that's given in the Word of God. And, and no, they might not be uh, educated scientists or educated doctors or educated in some other field. They might not have the same knowledge, but they have a great deal of wisdom in their life. And so we understand that there's a distinction between those two things, but here in this phrase, it captures the idea of knowing and understanding what that wisdom is and how that wisdom operates. It says, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul. When you start to dig into wisdom and understand wisdom, listen, that's what we're doing here on Wednesday nights. We're digging into the wisdom of God's Word. Uh, Proverbs is, uh, was written, of course, by Solomon. The Bible, God declared him the wisest man to walk among men. Uh, he is the smartest man. And so we have a book that he left behind, uh, and God has given it to us that we can study. And that's one of the beginning verses in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 2. Uh, one of the purposes for the book of Proverbs is to know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding. And so he wants us to dig in, and he wants us to know knowledge. And he says, listen, that will be a reward unto thy soul, much like the taste of honey is sweet to thy tongue. He's saying, so if we dig in and we understand and we know the wisdom that God has given, uh, that our life will be blessed beyond measure. Uh, in Psalm 51, uh, David is praying, and uh, of course it is the, the psalm that he wrote right after he had fallen into sin and he had confessed and he was getting things right. But he said this, Behold thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. The only, the only holder of wisdom, the only one that's able to distribute knowledge of wisdom is God. And He's the only one. He holds the keys to all of that. So the closer that we get to God, uh, the greater reward that we will have because we will understand that. Look again one more time with me as we read verse 14 through 15, 13 and 14. My son, eat thou honey because it is good, and the honeycomb which is sweet to thy taste. And he's using that as an example. That is a reward. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul. Your soul will feel as though the knowledge of wisdom is something sweet to it. Go on in verse number 14. When thou hast found it, then there shall be a reward, and thy expectation shall not be cut off. That last phrase, thy expectation shall not be cut off, means, listen, it exceeds anything that you could imagine. You could expect and say, well, uh, I, I wonder what it's going to be, or I expect it to be uh, this marvelous or that marvelous. The Bible says that your expectation will not be cut off. When you seek God's knowledge, or the knowledge, rather, of wisdom in the Word of God, with God, uh, that, listen, your soul will be satisfied beyond delight. And you'll never 
be unsatisfied with the Word of God and with the wisdom that God offers. Listen, everything that the world offers, it doesn't satisfy. Matter of fact, the, the Proverbs go on, goes on uh, in another part. Uh, there's seven things that, um, that are abomination unto the Lord. And, and, and he goes in and he says, uh, rather another part, he says that the, uh, the eyes of man are never satisfied. Listen, sin doesn't satisfy. What the world offers, the riches and the pleasures that the world offers, does not satisfy. But the knowledge of wisdom that God gives in His Word satisfies for all of eternity. Your expectation will not be cut off. In other words, it, it will exceed all of your expectations. It will be like honey to your soul that will satisfy to the greatest extent in your life. So we have a sweet reward in verses 13 and 14 for following the Word of God and obeying the Word of God. We In verse number 10, we have stand strong. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. And obviously we do not want that. And then he says, if thou forbear to deliver to them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain. In other words, uh, we need to stand boldly and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ on a regular basis to those uh, around us. And, and we need to let people know that, hey, uh, Jesus Christ loves them and He cares for that. And then there's a sweet reward for seeking God and following God in our life and desiring that knowledge of wisdom. So I hope that's just a help to you, those uh, few verses that we went over tonight. And, and I know they're, uh, the, at least those last four were kind of interesting, kind of uh, deep, but I hope, I hope that'll start churning in your mind. And you'll consider those things as we think about uh, the blessings that God offers from uh, drawing nigh to Him and studying His Word and having a knowledge of wisdom. Uh, what an incredible phrase. As we... Uh, I hope and pray that that's a blessing to you. As we stand to our feet, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank You for, God, really the, in, the depth of Your Word, how inexhaustible it is. And God, we could study it for a lifetime and continue learning and continue growing and continue to have that sweet reward as honey to the tongue. And God, I pray that You would just encourage our hearts, challenge our hearts to continue studying Your Word, to continue winning lost people to You, and to continue standing strong in our faith, Father. God, I know certainly if we'll do that, that You'll bless. God, we ask You to strengthen us and help us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, just a short hymn of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, you can, of course, pray there in your seat. You can pray at the altar. But I encourage you to really dig into the wisdom of God's Word. It, it's deep. It's simple. If you want to understand it, it is simple to understand. But then there's some meat that's down in there. If you really dig in, you'll find it. Stand boldly for your faith. Stand strong in your faith.
we'll bring our invitation to a close. And uh, again, we appreciate you being here. Um, okay, we just uh, if if for those who are are planning on helping, we certainly appreciate the help. If you can meet with Pastor over there, and then uh, and then of course we know and understand that everyone can uh, smile and uh, say hi to one another. I hate not shaking hands, but uh, we'll still refrain and and try and keep everyone as healthy as we can. And uh, again, appreciate you being here, and we'll look forward to seeing you again Sunday. God bless.